Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. Thank you. Thank you guys for joining me. Um, the topic of this panel discussion is how to build and manage uh, world-class products. And I would like to, to kick it off by just asking you to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit more about who you are, your company, specifically your product. Cool, I'll kick off. Um, so my name's Tim Beatty, um, and I work for Red Hat Open Innovation Labs. Um, and I've had lots of great conversations here today, and lots of people saying, oh, Red Hat, I didn't expect to see, see Red Hat here, you know, aren't you the Linux company? Um, and that's true, yeah, we, we, we are the Linux company, but we're also an open source company. Um, so we, we pride ourselves on being the biggest open source company in the world. Um, and open source is, is a philosophy that's kind of fascinated me in the world of product management and product development. Um, and I've been with Red Hat about two and a half years learning all about the open source principles and open source characteristics. Um, and Open Innovation Labs is really an opportunity for us to open source our DNA, the way that we build our products, um, into other companies so they can learn to build software products uh, the Red Hat way, the open source way. Um, my background you know, prior to Red Hat has been in the world of Agile. Um, I've been a, a passionate Agilista for 12, 13 years. Uh, and what I find is Agile and product development and, and open source is really this awesome, awesome combination which brings together the world of Lean UX, uh, Agile uh, delivery, incremental delivery, DevOps, continuous delivery, um, all, all into a blended cocktail which makes um, product development just very, very exciting. Awesome, thanks, Tim. Uh, hi, uh, I'm Raymond King. You all can call me Ray. Um, originally from West Africa, grew up in Chicago. Uh, joined DevBridge now for about four years. And um, what DevBridge is, uh, is we're a software consultancy. Uh, over the past four years, what I've done at DevBridge is help accelerate delivery of software products for our customers. So at DevBridge, what we try to do is we believe that using the, the power of a pure product team, which includes product management, product design, and software engineering as one big package, enables us to uh, deliver faster for our clients uh, today. So thanks. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Orkan Özbatur. Um, I'm a senior product manager in Amazon based in Luxembourg. Um, I'm in marketplace business in a world, uh, worldwide team managing um, registration of the third-party sellers to Amazon platforms. Um, it's an interesting role because um, basically my engineers are based in east side of the world in India. My senior management or my peers, they're all based in the west side of the world in Seattle. I'm the only one who is in Luxembourg and covering all the time zones in a different way. Um, I'm around over two years in Amazon, uh, previously uh, in travel industry, MRH Group, some agency background as well as um, um, other companies as well. Um, and I also have some entrepreneurship involvements, um, director and founder institute in Luxembourg, and I am working hard to bring a product market fit for some site stuff that I do as well in a nutshell. Well, thank you. And the topic of the conversation is how to build and manage best-in-class 
product. So I want to understand from your perspective, what does this type of team have to have? You probably work or are part of some of these best-in-class products. What are some of those key characteristics that kind of separate good from great? I'll start. Um, f for me, it's all about the culture. And um, culture is a word that we use uh, lots and lots in our conversation these days. And it's, I was talking to someone last night, it's, it's a word that's difficult to describe, it's a, it's a word that's difficult to define. It's very difficult to write down culture or put it into a slide or explain it. You, you've got to feel it. It's, it's a, almost like a mysterious energy. It's, it's almost like the force from Star Wars. Um, and, and when you get it, and when you felt it, it, it it's amazing. Um, and that's what really enables product development to go through this journey of continuous discovery and continuous delivery, back into continuous discovery in this kind of infinite loop. Um, but we spend you know, 80, 90 plus percent of our time focusing on creating that awesome, awesome foundation of culture um, and enabling collaboration and breaking down silos and enabling psychological safety, you know, because when we can create that foundation of culture, uh, that's what enables us to really uh, build world-class products. Yeah, I, I think to add to that, culture is great. And, you know, in our consultancy, as we go into our clients, we talk a lot about, you know, key to any digital transformation is that culture bit. But I think also it's having that product uh, person as well. So. You know, as we'll talk later, the role of the product manager is changing. The role of the product management practice is changing as well. But having that product person that can think in, uh, in a manner that drives the product vision, I think those are the kind of things that we see as successful when it comes to launching and managing good products, is that this particular role, the reason why we're all here, and the reason why we're all trying to get better at our job, is the linchpin to um, obviously great and successful products. I want to chip in, if you don't mind. Um, I totally agree, absolutely, and uh, probably just to add up, the user itself. So my point of view is that the differentiation point that any product um, from the world-class and sustainable product is the really bringing the highest value for the user. So if you, of course, look at the metrics, business metrics, how we drive the KPIs, but if we focus on the um, user value, how we really maximize the user value, um, that probably makes the product stick and make it sustainable and forever as well at some point. So, Ray, you talked about the importance of having a key product person yes. that kind of unifies the, the culture and other pieces of the business. So, in your experience working with different clients, how do you identify those rock stars, those early risers, and how do you nurture them so they feel empowered to continue enabling others build products? Yeah, I think you used the word there, enable. Um, so, for those of you that have looked at the key um, success factors for any product manager, right? I think Mackenzie put it out there, they're like six main towers, right? You know, you have the CX piece, you have the business acumen, soft and technical skills, and so on and so forth. But I think what we look for when it comes to product managers in our organization, especially ones that are gonna be out there consulting, it's key that you have, you identify people that are going to be enablers. So for example, one of our company core values is taking ownership, right? And we look for that when we go looking for our product managers. You have to be the person that is going to be able to cut down walls, the person that's going to be able to drive through the next blocker and ultimately enable your team and your product to bust through and hopefully be successful. I agree. And uh, it is get things done, basically. Um, exactly. Like get GST, you know, get things done. S stands for something else. But... Um, Obviously, in my 
in my thinking, adaptability as well, because we live in a world that every day, everything is like business, the, the interest, um, just jobs to be done, everything is changing. So the um, key role or key skill set, let's say soft skill set of a probably product person is how fast that person can adapt to the changes and doesn't get stuck into, oh, but we used to do it that way or our process and have that mindset of it's today like this, but I know tomorrow is going to change. So I need to convince all my stakeholders and prepare them for that change as well. Yeah, for, for, for me, it's all about collaboration. Um, and, and product managers have, have got a tough job uh, because they are bringing together uh, a very diverse set of, of people and, and stakeholders and stakeholder groups. You know, everyone from different user groups to different internal stakeholders to engineers who can be very difficult to work with. Um, and, and really, the, the, the product manager, you know, is, is this person that's sucking in all of the feedback and all of the information from all of these different stakeholder groups and, and making sense of it to drive the product vision forward and to drive the, the product priorities forward. And I, I think that from the outside, there are a lot of people who want to be a product manager. We see this all the time at Prod School. And it's funny because from the inside, you can tell that it's not easy, it's not that sexy, and you definitely need to do whatever it takes to get things done. Um, so I want to learn from your experience, guys. So you work at top companies, you build products for top clients. So you are literally dealing with top engineers, top designers, top marketers on a daily basis. As that product manager or product leader who's in between all of these different fires, it's hard. So I want to understand how do you keep up with that? I mean, a couple of techniques that we use, we, we, we're very, very heavy on visualization. So we, we love to visualize everything um, through information radiators and other visualization of work techniques um, and, and practices that, that we keep in our, in our open practice library. Um, and, and really using some of those practices and visual techniques to distill down to kind of target measurable outcomes. Uh, and the key word there is measures. You know, can we, can we put a measure on something today and can we measure iteratively and incrementally as we start to uh, try out new ideas, run experiments, uh, test out hypotheses or place some bets um, and take measures as we go along so we can see the needle shift in one direction or the other, maybe the wrong direction, but being able to then put a culture of learning, continuous learning and feedback in place. So visualization and, and metrics are kind of key, key, key ways that we start with. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the goal is not to also have it be a single person having to lift a whole team up, right? So you'll hear the word collaboration get thrown out there, which, you know, in, in, in its most native form, yes, it means more than one person working on one thing, but also means that having processes and tools in place that enable that person to be successful. So, for example, having the product design role work with the product manager, having the project lead role work with the product manager, right? So... The idea is not that we are building these iron men or iron women to kind of basically run the whole platform by themselves. The idea is that you are setting up a team, a team that is supported by multiple uh, product leaders that can help drive, drive the process forward. And this said team is also able to um, cross through those boundaries like you talked about and obviously um, end up converging and creating one big, one big solution for you. So I have the last question for you before we open the floor to the audience. And we talked a lot about experimentation, measuring things, and at the same time, we talk about being user-centric. Sometimes, maybe the user is asking for something that the data is not requesting, and vice versa. So I want to know, from your perspective, how do you balance 
what the data is saying versus what you think your users want? You ask users to start with. Um, and you build mechanisms around that. Uh, what we do is we literally, in um, any product feature, any, anything we are building, or any business review we do as well, we try to bring user anecdotes, user quotes, uh, in terms of how it's impacting the user. And there are good practices, you know, before actually you launch something, um, probably some of you would know um, Amazon working backwards um, process, or actually writing um, what your user would tweet about that product feature as well. You know, start thinking about what is the value I'm bringing. So if you start with those ABC um, simple steps of bringing user into uh, uh, decision making right in the beginning, actually you build uh, always keeping that in the core as well. Yeah, and I think we take it one step further that because I agree, having, having the user feedback process makes sense and that is very key to being successful. We take it one step further. So more over the past year or so, we've introduced the concept of service design into our practice, right? And, and what that has helped us understand is it's cool to understand the user journey, but also you need to understand what are all the different impacts, what are all the different technologies that are also part of that, uh, part of that journey. So by us experimenting with you know, what we think are relatively new practices of how to understand the ultimate solution that you're trying to build, not just your tiny product in the grand scheme of things, that is helping drive how we balance whether it's user feedback or, or, or system feedback. Yeah, and I agree with both, both of those and, and these practices around usability testing and, and service blueprints and service design, you know, um, we get a lot of value from. Yeah, I, I don't think there's, there's one key practice. There's lots of different practices that will help generate lots of different types of feedback loop. Um, and, and they can range from very, being very early uh, prototyping, you know, before we can get to writing software and we can learn and get feedback from that, um, right up to some of the kind of advanced deployment techniques, so things like A-B tests and canary deployments and feature toggles. Um, what, what's really exciting in today's day, there's lots of different ways that we can get different angles of feedback uh, and back to the product manager and that product management rule, it's about um, kind of sucking all of that different feedback in to, to learn and maximize the learning from it. So now I'm going to pick a question from the audience. Uh, it's, it's about diversity. So they want to learn about how you guys are thinking on diversity and how does, what type of efforts specifically your company is making to, to have more type of diversity within product. I'll start. Um, so obviously, uh, diversity, the first things that come to mind, it's either racial diversity or you know, gender diversity and so on and so forth. Um, I think as, as a company, we are dedicated to obviously changing that. So, what, so the way we approach it is, is less about um, doing it from the hiring pool and more doing it from the inclusion perspective. So one of the uh, initiatives that we have actually is, based on how we hire, we actually attempt to go where um, you know, disenfranchised or in some cases non-representative uh, folks are within the product role is we try to be in those areas. We try to, you know, speak at, um, you know, non, and I'm being very careful with my words here, but we try, we try to speak at events or attend recruitment fairs or, or, or create practices that enable and include uh, other, other uh, sectors, I should say, uh, in, into the problem realm. But as far as the hiring process goes, you know, we appreciate the fact of diversity. The fact that I'm sitting here is hopefully proof of that, that we definitely uh, seem to promote diversity in our organization. And once you're in, we don't just stop there. We then promote inclusivity into our organization as well. 
Yeah, um, as I mentioned, so Red Hat is an, is an open organization. Um, uh, prior to my joining of Red Hat, um, I, I read a book by, by Jim Whitehurst, who's the, the CEO of Red Hat, called The Open Organization. And he talks about the, the five characteristics of open organizations, um, and, and two of them, which I think are, are very appropriate, are inclusivity and communities. Um, so, so we build our company on communities of practice and communities of interest in a very open and inclusive manner. Uh, and that's operating in a, in a very kind of transparent and, uh, and with a leadership that really promotes collaboration kind of across the company. Uh, and there's frameworks uh, that, that we've open sourced that, that help with that, such as the Open Decision Framework. And that really kind of injects that kind of open culture uh, of inclusivity across the company and, and throughout communities uh, outside of the company as well. Um, so before, I think, Orson, you touch upon um, remote work, and I think, Tim, you talked about culture. So there's a question about how do you really build that type of culture in a remote environment where we know that extreme collaboration between product and engineering or design is critical? It's not easy. Um, you need to be very clear on what you're communicating about, and you need to be very clear on your written communication as well, because um, when you're working across time zones it's not always you know in the same meeting room or it's not always in the you know on the call you do have those discussions daily but you need to make sure that you document very clearly as well like product perspective uh, decision making and uh, or the, or the other details of the product you really need to nail down um using the collaborative tools or collaborative um tools which help you to write things together and make sure that you get the buy-in through those uh, written written uh, documents. Otherwise, um, if you don't write, it just disappear as well, specifically for remote work. Yeah, so the, um, the, the product, our main product in Open Innovation Labs is, is called the residency. It's where our, our customers, engineers, come together for a relatively short amount of time, between one and three months. Um, and we, we do focus on co-location because we find building culture co-located uh, uh, is, is accelerated significantly. Not that it can't be done distributed, but when, when you're together, you really can accelerate that. Um, a lot of our customers have, have worked with, you know, in, in distributed format, and uh, often they're coming together for the first time, and we're breaking down silos from different, bringing different people from different parts of the organization. What we find is if we could get the culture working in a room around a table together over four weeks, then we talk about, well, let's codify how, how did we make that magic energy appear and what do we need to continue when we go to our different parts of, of the world and what are the different tools and technologies that will help us do that. Um, and the first practice we always start with is called the social contract, which is the contract that our team members put in place with each other. And that's the starting point for creating, creating that culture. Um, another question we got is about um, skills. Mostly about, there's so much pressure around hard skills, right? It seems like now these product managers need to know everything. About, like they need to be athletes. They need to know how to code. They need to know how to design, sell, pretty much do everything. And, uh, but at the same time, that also applies too much pressure to people who are thinking about this role. Is, that, is it really true that you need to become an athlete or is there any other way where you can truly build best-in-class products as long as you surround, surround yourself by really best-in-class people? Um, I believe in product manager and product fit as well because truly, yeah, product manager has to be a T-shaped, so, you know, know everything in good level but one area really well. And that is also relevant to the product that we manage 
Um, some people are great in the coming from technical background, maybe with the platform, API, etc. And some people are more, um, you know, so user experience background, which are really building uh, uh, front-end revolutions. So I think we should have a point of view across different fields, but a T-shape, like really focusing on a single area based on, first of all, your background as well as the personal beliefs as a product manager really helps to find that product, product manager fit as well. Yeah, and, and, and I said earlier, like, the, the six areas of focus that we do, right, and no one is going to be max in all six of those things. And I think it's setting the wrong expectation to assume that in order to be a successful product manager, you have to be solid across all six of them. I completely agree with what Orkin is saying, is you have to find the right fit for you, and you have to basically double down on what you're strong as at, because, again, what I am preaching is there's a team behind you, Right, And as you uh, work with your team, there are going to be areas where your teams are going to pull you up, and there are going to be areas where you're going to shine. It's more a function of you focusing on where you need to shine and doubling down on that. Yeah, I think, I think one of the best things product managers can do is connect different individuals with each other and create communities. Uh, and one of the really powerful connections I see is engineering to uh, end users. Um, you know, and for, for too long, you know, engineers have been in a bit of a silo and end users have been in a bit of a silo. But providing that connection, direct, direct connection, and the product manager can provide that introduction and facilitation between the two is what can really kind of drive the overall um, skill set up. As, as we think about product people growing up their career ladder, we, we hear this term around product leadership, right? Which is kind of a, unclear. It's not a title, but everyone calls themselves a product leader. So let's assume that we're talking with um, senior level folks, like the ones here in the audience. How would you say it is they have to set up product strategy to really set up the product for success and make sure that then the execution is going to be going smoothly, even though you as the leader are not going to be directly involved in that execution? I think setting up the uh, product values, tenets, is super important for the um, teams to follow. So what does your product represent? Um, does, it, does it represent um, reducing the cost or increasing the value on X? While you, when you set up those ones, um, anyone in the team, anyone in the product team, also development team, they actually understand the real values, what they're working for, what the features are bringing, and they can tie those um, features, roadmap items, directly to the values. That really helps team to focus on wait a minute, we want to prioritize this, but it doesn't really link with any of our values, so maybe we, could, we pick it up later. That really helps all teams to understand um, how the pro product is going to evolve. Cool, so I, I have the last question for each of you, actually, just to wrap up this panel, which is, if you could look back in time, not too, not too far, let's say two, three years. Now you already are a product leader, but now you are really growing. You are really building more and more best-in-class products. What is it one thing that you wish you had done a little bit earlier? I think talk to people more. Um, what I mean is users, colleagues, peers, really get out of the box. Sometimes we are like, okay, this is my job. I think earlier presentations a little bit talked about that as well. This is my job, this is my job description, and I'll stick to that. Um, many people, we do that, especially in the beginning of the career. It's the learning phase for many of us, and it's, it's difficult to really step out of, from that description, job description, and say, go talk to people, and actually ask more questions. Hey, 
senior whatever manager, I want to understand what you're doing. Maybe it's not relevant at all, but it really helps you to um, expand your horizon, really helps you to see the bigger picture. Why are you doing that? Or why, what can I do better to help you? So I would probably focus on really asking why questions to whoever I can grab on the, at the corridors of any company, and of course our users as well. Yeah, I think as I think about this, um, I think her name was Megan, the first lady that spoke today. Um, she had this awesome slide that showed discovery and delivery, right? And there was a big line in the middle. And I look back at when I started in the product world early, because my, my background is, is, in, is in delivery. I, was, I used to be an engineer. And as an early, younger product manager, I was what she showed. I was very, very high on delivery. And a lot of my, um, you know, a lot of my, my time was spent focusing on actually shipping product. And I think as I've matured in my, in my product roles and as I've become a leader in, in, in the role, it's a, it's, it's a mix. And I think if I can go back and talk to my, my younger self, it'll be take a pause, do the actual discovery work, talk to the users, validate, build measure learn is there for a reason, right? Uh, don't skip the measure and learn piece, right? Um, but I think that is what I would, I would tell my younger self is that keep that balance and that focus so much on pushing the needle forward via delivery. It's a good one, really good. Um, uh, for me, I, I wish I'd learned about open and open source sooner than I did. Um, I, I knew I'd known about open source for years, but I, you know, I thought it was just you know you put your code in GitHub and, and that's it, you're open source. I've since learned that there's lots of great, great practices that really um, trigger and facilitate very engaged communities. And when you have an engaged community driving product development, it's incredibly powerful for product quality. So, um, uh, you know, learning more and more about um, open culture and open organizations has, has really helped me with what I do. Cool. Well, thank you very much for sharing your knowledge with all of us. And um, I hope this was helpful to the whole audience. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.